You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. This is our week 15. And we're about to close this. This is our second to the last week. And as we close this, I want us to basically... Um, Get a lens of a disciple. Okay, how many disciples of Jesus Christ do we have here first? Come on. If you are a Christian, then that's you, all of us, right? So I want us to take that lens, and I want, to, I want us to look at the whole Sermon on the Mount, okay? Remember, when Jesus was talking about this, this sermon, he was actually addressing this to his disciples. That's why we are his disciples today, okay? We were not there, but we are his disciples today, Amen. So if you go back to chapter 5 of Matthew, going all the way to chapter 7, Jesus was actually introducing his kingdom. That kingdom, unlike any other kingdom, was so different. In fact, it blew the minds of all of his disciples. Actually, even to date, it blows our mind how he has actually established his kingdom, how he has given us disqualifications in this kingdom. It's absolutely different from what we are expecting. Because if you were a Jew before, you'll understand that the kingdom that they were longing for was a kingdom that was physical, it was geographical. If you were the disciples before, if you're like John or Peter, you were probably looking at Jesus waiting for the time that you will be king in this kingdom. It was a physical kingdom that they were expecting. But Jesus redefines his expectations. So he first introduces... The kind of citizens, remember this? The kind of citizens that this kingdom would be. In other words, he, he put a qualification of the people inside the kingdom. He says, these are the people who are poor in spirit. Remember this? The Beatitudes. So he actually introduces now this qualification as a citizen of his kingdom. So you ought to be poor in spirit. You're, um, uh, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You all know this. The Beatitudes. Being merciful. Being pure in heart. Be a peacemaker. Right? If you are being persecuted... For the sake of righteousness, you are the kind of citizen that Jesus is looking for in this kingdom. In other words, these were actually spiritual standards that he was actually looking for. And because they are citizens of this kingdom, Jesus says that they are blessed. Remember? Blessed are you, blessed are the me. Yeah, you know, you were here, right? Okay. Because you are blessed, the blessing ought to... Um, actually spread or manifest all over the world. A disciple cannot just keep the blessing of God to himself, but rather he has to be a blessing to the world. That's why Jesus says we ought to be, said we ought to be the salt and light of the earth. We all know this. Secondly, he told his disciples that our righteousness ought to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, the, the, law, uh, you know, the, the lawgivers, basically. He said this because he was saying that, that nobody can fulfill the law except me, Jesus Christ. That's what he was saying. In fact, if you want to exceed, if you want to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, all you need to do is actually look at the standard. And the standard was very high. Remember this, right? Uh, instead of just murder, I mean, instead of murder, the mere fact that you're angry, you're already guilty, right? If you, uh, if you are um, lusting, or you have these thoughts, what happens is that you're already guilty of adultery. So the, the, the moral standard was very high. That's why Jesus says, nobody can fulfill this except through me. You all know this, right? What I'm saying basically is a summary 
of what's happening. If you look at it, when he fulfills it, only through him can we fulfill it. Amen. So in his kingdom, he expects no retaliation, no revenge, okay? We are, in fact, to do the opposite, but love our enemies, right? We give to the needy. And in his kingdom, we operate in a communication called prayer. You all remember prayer, right? So Jesus taught us how to pray. Ask. Ask, right? Remember this? Ask and keep on asking, right? Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking until the door opens. Why? Because we have a relationship with our Father. We can pray persistently and confidently to our Father because of that relationship. So finally, okay, that's like 16 weeks, uh, 14 weeks, on the 15th week, okay, finally now, Jesus summarizes all these, these in one verse. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So Jesus brilliantly condenses the Old Testament into a single principle with this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. It is otherwise known as the golden rule. Remember this? So he summarizes that. But this particular principle is not just an ordinary principle. In fact, it became part of the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. Remember the first greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? You all know this. And the second greatest commandment, Jesus says, is love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule. So the whole Sermon on the Mount, if you really look at it, there's only two things. Loving God, loving people. Summarizes it here. So the question remains is this. As his disciples, what will we do about it? Knowing the kingdom qualifications, knowing the kingdom principles, right? Knowing the kingdom standards, the moral standards, the spiritual standards, and knowing how it is to live in this kingdom, what will you do about it? That's what we want to find out. Amen. So on your feet. Let's all open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 11 to 23. Starting in verse 13. The Bible says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I 
never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's just bow down our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we come and humble ourselves before you tonight and ask, Lord, that you will send your Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth about your kingdom. Lord, may we understand how it is to enter the narrow gate. Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word and bless every person who is here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think that the greatest tragedy or the greatest irony of all time, okay, this is just me, the greatest irony of all time is to live this so-called Christian life. You, you know, basically you come attend church every Sunday, you attend the prayer meetings, you have your Bible study groups, you go to victory groups, you, you actually go to all the Christian events, you all go to, you know, to all the trainings, the Christian trainings that you could go through. And then at the end, when it's time, when we're dead, okay, and you're about to enter the kingdom of heaven, the greatest tragedy is that we don't get to enter it. Now think about that. It is like you have worked all your life, okay? And you have labored so much to save so much money to buy this wonderful, you know, expensive vacation trip. You have been longing for this trip, okay? You've saved up, you've prepared. In fact, you bought all your luggages, your clothes, everything that you needed for this trip. You did it. Got your passport. You bought the plane ticket. Finally, you were on the plane. You were riding the plane thousands of miles. You landed in the beautiful resort island. You were there. And as you were entering the airport, going through customs, the consul general says, looks at your passport and says, you don't have visa. Can't enter. And we're talking about not a visa, but we're talking about eternity. Now think about that for a while. You're talking about eternity. All of us come to church every single Sunday. We go to our groups, right? Our Bible study groups. We go to almost all the meetings that we can go to, all the trainings. What if? What if Jesus says, well, you can't enter. I want it to sink in right there for a while. And this is kind of hard, but there's a truth to it. Jesus said that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. After all the preaching, the teaching at the Sermon on the Mount, after teaching about the kingdom of heaven, after teaching his disciples that this is the way to live in my kingdom, he says, but not everyone who will call me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's like, ouch. I mean, after all, after all, I was thinking, after all of serving as a pastor, and that day comes, and I cannot enter it. That's kind of hard. Hard, right? I mean, you're, you're really awfully silent. 
But it is hard. And you know where the answer lies? It lies on you. It lies on me. What will you do about it? In other words, what will you do about your life today as a Christian? As a disciple of Jesus Christ, what will you do with their life that you are living today? Jesus brings us to a point of making that decision. In fact, all throughout the chapter 5, all the way to chapter 7, Jesus was revealing the kingdom, teaching about the kingdom. After talking about the principles of the kingdom, he now puts the period there and says, so what are you going to do about it? In other words, it's a decision that Jesus is asking all of us. He has asked his disciples then, and he's asking us now. What will you do about your life as a disciple today? And remember, our decision today as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of Christ, as a believer of Christ, as a Christian, whatever we decide today will affect our eternal destination. That's why he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus gives us this command to enter the narrow gate. And the word enter is not pass, but is it in present tense, enter. Jesus was not just talking about 2,000 years ago when his disciples were listening to him. He's talking to us even now. In other words, he's giving us a decision. Yes, he's commanding us, but he's leaving us the decision. He commands us to enter the narrow gate, but he leaves us to decide whether to enter that narrow gate. He gives us two choices, in fact. And he contrasts. He made a contrast. He said there are two gates. One narrow and one wide. There are two ways. One that the easy way and one the hard way. And there were two destinations. Right? One that leads to life and the other one leads to destruction. Then he says there are two groups of people. The many and the few. Question, what did Jesus really mean by the narrow gate and the wide gate? Narrow gate, as we have read, Bible says that the narrow gate and the way is hard but leads to life and few, few people find it. The wide gate and the way is easy but leads, that leads to death and many go and enter it. So for ages... I was thinking about this, you know, the narrow, the narrow gate and the wide gate. As young as probably 10 or 12 years old, I was thinking about the narrow gate. This is the, the gate where the saints enter. The wide gate 
It's where all the sinners, you know, go to. I mean, that's basically portrayed in our heads growing up. Trying to understand that the narrow gate and the wide gate are, the narrow gate are for the godly, and the ungodly will go to the wide, you know, to the wide gate. We've thought about the uh, narrow gate for the religious and the wide gate for the irreligious people. But that's not what Jesus is trying to say. It's not just that. Of course, we know that a sinner will really be judged. We know that. But Jesus is telling us something more than that. In fact, we need to understand that when Jesus was teaching this particular subject, okay, he was, he was teaching it to a bunch of Jewish people. If you know the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were the people of God. They were sincerely searching also for God. You need to understand because they, you know, we've talked about the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees. We, we look down on them because they're self-righteous and all, but they were sincerely looking for the way to heaven. So when Jesus was addressing this to his disciples, he was not just addressing it to, you know, really the murderers, the robbers, the thieves, the adulterers. No, he was talking to a group of religious people who understood that we want to go to heaven. The wide gate, basically, and the narrow gate, all to the mind of a Jewish person, it leads to heaven. Right? In essence, okay, in essence, these people who are sincere in devoting their lives to re- religion, right? They, you know this, they were religious people. In essence, they were actually trying to find a way, very sincere, but they were sincerely wrong because it was not about religion. We, okay, in our context, in our context, we can also be in that aspect as Christians. We can just perform coming here every Sunday and lift up our hands and worship. Feel good about it, which is good. But it can come as a religious activity that we do every single Sunday. You can go to your Bible study group every single week, twice a week, or three times a week, even seven days a week, 24-7. And it could be just religion. Question is, does that really guarantee us of heaven? And if it does, okay, why did Jesus say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? The truth is, people nowadays actually get their Jesus gets the name of Jesus into their religion because they want to tailor fit their kind of religion. There are people who do that. In other words, Jesus becomes a functional savior for them, but never really understanding who Jesus is. And us, as Christians, we can fall into a trap of being in that religious mindset just because I'm attending 
Sunday services. Just because I'm doing all these Christian things, I'm going to heaven. Because if you do that, then your salvation is by works. Really, we can fool ourselves in thinking that we're okay. See, the wide gate represents that easy way access to heaven. When you tailor fit now your religion, when they put the name of Jesus by their side, and yet sin on the other side. That's what happens in this wide gate. Because it's easy, right? I like Jesus. I like Jesus as my Savior. But I don't like the Lordship part. Right? Lord, save me. I need your help. Praise God, I am saved. But when it comes to Jesus now being Lord, that's where the, you know, we, we draw a, draw a fun, fine line between Savior and Lordship. There's a danger there. That's why it's so easy. Jesus was saying, wide is the gate. And so it's so wide. Many people fall into that trap of making Jesus a functional Savior. But he says, when you choose the narrow gate, what you're saying is that you're choosing Jesus to be both Lord and Savior. We can't have Jesus only as Savior and have religion, though He is a Savior, but He first is Lord. We need to understand that. Sometimes we look at Jesus as a, a genie. <laughs> genie, give me some, uh, give me this, give me that. Bless me with this. Then when you're blessed, thank you, Lord. I forgot about you. Crisis happens, and there you are again. See, that's where it's kind of difficult to understand. But if you understand very well what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, that's not the way. He says, choose the narrow gate. Choose me as Lord and Savior. Remember, He is the gate. In other scripture, it says that Jesus is the door, in fact, to eternal life. But when we choose Jesus, listen to this, when we choose Jesus now, you also have to choose His ways. Okay? People love Jesus. They can believe in Jesus, but they're not willing to choose His ways. And He says, and he says that His ways are hard. Remember? Narrow gate and the way is hard because the standards are high and only if you find it. In fact, the way of Jesus is hard because it will cost you everything to a point of dying to yourself. If I were to ask you today, how many of you are willing to die for Christ? In our world missions class, and we had this tough Chinese group who put up their lyrics. You know, they were singing this worship song. They put up their lyrics and they were singing, you know, uh, even 
Even if we have to die for the gospel, I will go to the ends of the earth. It's kind of like that. And so all of us pastors were, were there. Yeah, Lord, I like. Yeah, they can go. Not ready. But the way of Jesus is hard because it will cost you everything to a point of dying. You're dying. It's interesting that Jesus says narrow. Then say, you know, slightly small. He says narrow. Everybody say narrow. The word narrow literally means to shrink to a point of suffocation. It's dying. Think about it. The Beatitudes, he was saying, are you really poor in spirit? Are you meek and humble? Are you willing to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are we pure in heart? Those are the things that is hard. It is a decision now. Jesus is asking us today. Every single day, are you willing to pick up your cross? Jesus says, remember this? Pick up your crosses daily. How many of you like carrying crosses? Of course, you don't do that. Only some of, you know, during Holy Week, they do that. It's not that literal, but what it's saying is that there is a cost to follow Jesus. This narrow gate puts us in a place where we have nothing but Jesus. If you imagine you going into a narrow, narrow, um, narrow uh, mountain, and the only way there is just your body like this. You can't do this, but you have to enter like that. If you are carrying your backpack, you're carrying your canteen, you're carrying everything, you won't be able to make it through, right? And the thing is, you know that the one behind you is a huge grizzly bear that's about to consume you and eat you. And the only way out is through that narrow, narrow path. But you have your backpack. And it says, Mahal neto, Lord. This is so expensive. I cannot, I cannot. Many times, that's who we are. We claim that we are Christians, we are His disciples, but we're not willing to take out our backpack of pride, you know, uh, self-preservation, our selfishness, our self-righteousness. We have extra backpacks that we carry that we're not willing to let go. But Jesus is asking, no, you need to let go. Or else you won't be able to go through this narrow way. Jesus commands us to enter this narrow gate. Why? Because it leads to life. In fact, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth. And what? And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is already saying that if you're really looking for the kingdom, it has to be through Jesus. He is the gate. And His ways, it's kind of hard, but it leads to life because He is the way. He's telling the truth. And He is the way to eternal life. That's what He's saying. Now, if we are truly His disciples, then 
we have to make a choice today. My prayer, which is my point number one, is that we choose life and not death. Amen. My prayer is that all of us will choose life. In fact, all over scriptures, God was just like in the middle of every decision of any human being would like to do. He was there. Moses, in fact, in the Old Testament, reminds the people of Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, what does he say? Choose life that you and your offspring may live. And the famous, the famous quote from Joshua says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you choose life today? Come on. Do you really choose life? Okay, praise God. If you want to choose life, then serve God. Go to the narrow gate. Secondly, we're talking about decisions we have to make. We need you to choose to bear good fruit and not bad fruit. How many of you bought a, a bundle of bananas and then the other one is not good, right? You hated it, right? You want good fruits. Who wants bad fruits anyway? We love good fruits. But Jesus was warning his disciples to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The word beware means to be in a state of alert. Okay? You need to be concerned about this, and you, are, you ought to be careful. Why? Because these false prophets will hinder people from finding the narrow road that leads to heaven. These are people we need to be careful. In fact, what you are listening to on a day-to-day basis in the internet, there's so many things you're listening to, right? You watch them, you hear them, we ought to be careful what we feed our soul. We ought to be careful what we read, the books, Sometimes it's, ah, may God naman eh, di ba? Sometimes like that. I, I, I remember a book called Conversations with God, but there's no Jesus in that. You can actually converse with God, but there's no Jesus. It's dangerous. There are those who will lead us astray. That's why Jesus warns us, and He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears what? Good fruit. But the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. Now inasmuch as Jesus warning His disciples against His false prophets, He also puts the spotlight back to us. Are you yourself? bearing good fruit. You know, you can recognize a true believer of Christ by their fruits. 
really. Because today, I mean, it's hard to look at, let me see your fruits. You really can't see it. But as you get to see them outside these walls, that's where you see the fruit. In fact, somebody once said, a true faith in Christ will always lead to a changed life. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. Are we, if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a Christian, do we have a changed life? Many are professing Christians. That's why Jesus says, you know, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it has to be fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. And we need to choose. If you are a disciple of Christ, you and I, we need to choose to bear good fruit. It's about changed life. In fact, Luke says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. If you are truly sorry for your sin, can it be seen in your life? Yeah, sometimes, you know, I hear this a lot of times you know, when, when they see other Christians do something. Huh? What canon? Christiano pa man din. Ever heard that? Yeah, but but canon si Pastor Sol. Diba? Kala ko pa naman Christian siya. Of course, I'll be judging. But there is something that we need to understand. We need to bear good fruit. Okay? Not by works, though. Remember, it's a fruit of your life. A changed life because you chose the narrow gate and the narrow way who is Jesus Christ. Amen? Thirdly, choose relationship, not religion. See, when Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, He said, but the one who does the will of my Father there you have it, Father who is in heaven. Remember, Lord's Prayer, Father, it's about a relationship, right? Doing the will of the Father. And he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name or do many mighty works in your name? What was the answer of Jesus? He says, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What did Jesus mean by saying, I never knew you? What? Lord, I prophesied. I cast out demons. Lord. Here's the thing. How can you know somebody that you never had a chance to spend time with and deepen your relationship? How? If you say that Jesus really is your Savior and your Lord, do you really have that relationship through thick and thin? Remember? Through thick and thin, you know that He is there. That kind of a relationship that whatever happens in our life, whatever circumstance, whatever trials, whatever problems we face, we're unrelenting because we know we know that I have a relationship with Jesus. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I can trust Him. 
I can really, really trust our Lord and Savior because I have that relationship. On the contrary, Jesus says, well, I never knew you because there was no relationship. Jesus is after relationship and never, never, ever a religion. You know what religion does? It, it's this. Um, I will obey. I will comply with all the rules, regulations, and all of these things. And I will try so hard. I will obey. I'll do it. But then you have a hard time. In fact, you don't do it. So what happens? You go against the regulation. I can't do it. But a relationship, a loving relationship is different. Why? Because you have been deepened. The, the friendship is there. The relationship is there. So when it comes now to obeying, it's easy. Right? Because I have a relationship. If my daughter who's eight years old now, when I say something, she just obey. Why? Because she trusts me. I tell her, I'm sorry, that's not good for you. And she'll trust me. See, although she'll ask me the question, why that? It's that sinful nature again. Why? Why? Just obey. But why? When we have a relationship with our, our Lord Jesus Christ, all the commandments, you will, you will actually obey all of His commandments. In fact, His will, the will of God now becomes easier for you because you have a relationship. I trust my God. I know I'm going to obey Him. I will not hurt His feelings. Right? I mean, if you have that relationship, you wouldn't want to hurt that relationship. You don't want to hurt your father, right? By disobeying. But it's about a relationship. Choose relationship over religion. You have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this relationship, what's amazing about this relationship, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's amazing is that this narrow gate who is Jesus Christ, right? Who gives you a way that is hard. But when you have that relationship being built, guess what? It becomes easier. I'm not saying that the hard way becomes an easier way. What I'm saying that the hard way is now becoming easier. The grace of God now comes to you. There's such a grace to say no to sin anymore. I don't have to lie. I don't have to sin anymore. Why? Because I have a relationship with my, my Lord Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. I'm saying that truthfully. I love Jesus. And I don't want to mess up for, for one temptation of sin. I don't want to mess up that relationship. Because I love Him so much. And now, this narrow gate becomes now bigger and wider and deeper until it's unfathomable, it is indescribable. It's that kind of a relationship now that widens this narrow gate that we think was narrow, but in reality, it's wide. Why? Because it leads you to a freedom that is so glorious that you can worship God. Say, God, I'm free. Amen. Praise God. 
Sarap, no? Think about that. You have this freedom now. The narrow gate ain't narrow really. But now I have freedom. Why? Because I have the love of God. And now I am responding His love. Bible says in 2 Corinthians, as I end, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all, that those who live, that's you and me, should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. It's the love of Christ that compels us. As I end, this is my point, my main point. Christ's love compels us to live for Christ. Because you and I, we all have experienced the love of Christ. And we can live this life as His disciple. We can choose to follow Christ and live for Christ. Here's an amazing thought, okay, before I end. John 15, 16, Jesus said, okay, He said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you. It's amazing. God chose you. You think you're here for no reason at all? No, 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 no. If you're sitting at the back over there, no, God chose you. You did not choose God, but God chose us. Nobody seeks God, the Bible says. Nobody. But yet God seeks all of us. That's what we have in Christ. Let me encourage you today. If you are a disciple of Christ, choose life. Choose to bear fruit, good fruit. Choose that relationship. Don't get stuck in religion. Don't get there again. You have been set free by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand as we worship God today. Let's just give God a big hand for now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You know, when, when Jesus chose us, He also chose to die for us. That's how much our God is so much into a relationship that He would die just to have you and me in His arms again. I want to take this time right now. If you have not received this relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe today's the day. Amen. Maybe tonight, you can embrace God. Say, God, I want to choose the narrow gate. I want to choose you, Lord Jesus. If that is you, I want you to lift up your hands before God and say, I want to receive you, Lord, today. The narrow gate. Come on, lift it up as high as you can. If that is you, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, just lift it up right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you, a sinner, needing you as my Lord and my Savior. I know that you chose to die for me, for my sins, so that I may be forgiven. Today, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and believe in my heart that is risen from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, 
from this day on I will choose to follow you choose life to choose to bear good fruit and to choose to have this wonderful relationship in Jesus name Amen Amen Praise God Praise God